You're listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, brought to you by the Raven Creek Social Club, where we talk about faith and other oddities. For questions, comments, or to be part of the conversation, join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find us at Raven Creek SC. Now for your hosts, Emily Dixon and Nathan Underwood. Welcome back to Faith and Other Oddities. Uh, we are back in the studio. Emily's been out for a couple of weeks, but you wouldn't know that because <laughs> we've been delivering episode after episode. Um, <laughs> I'm quite proud of ourselves, quite frankly. Hey, you know, we, we've managed to stay on track somehow um, with all the, the craziness that goes on. But that's not why you're here. You're here to hear us talk about the Bible, not our crazy lives. So um, well, that's... That works because we're going to talk about Bible craziness. So, you know. The- yeah. Yeah. Well, well, we, you just, you know, we just got through the last story in Judges, which might make you think that we're done. But no, we have more. <laughs> um, we're actually going to go through and just kind of hit some of the high points, do kind of some recaps and whatnot of of just she's, she's- things, things that we, we didn't want to detract from the narrative. We wanted right. to get through that and go basically hit some of the the uh, the little rabbit trails that we wanted to go down but felt like we should we should put the whole story together before we pick apart details. Yeah, because a lot of this stuff actually goes beyond the text and it's stuff that I had to go into some really crazy places to find. Uh had to be careful not to slide off into Christian Middle Earth as Heiser calls it uh, or beyond. Uh I think there's an abyss out there on the internet that will take you to places you don't want to go. And yeah. these are the kinds of topics that get you there. But we wanted to address them because we did bring them up. I'm going to kick off with uh, the Jewish Zodiac, because I think that's a topic that, number one, a lot of people aren't familiar with. Right. Yeah. I know very little about it. Well, and the other thing is, if people do know about it, they know about it because there's a clickbait headline on an article for Facebook. Sure. And, you know, okay, that's a start to kind of say there is something to this. But there's more to the story. There always is. So even more to the story than what I'm going uh, to present today. So basically, it was believed that Judaism really didn't have any place for astrology up until the Middle Ages. They believed that astrology was the result of Hindu and Muslim influence during the ninth century that really just came to a head during the 13th century. Okay. So there was a lot of books written at that point by different rabbis about the pros and cons of the Zodiac. And so basically Bible scholars blew it off because it's not part of our, our timeline. Right. Well, the Zodiac kind of gets a bad rap with, uh, oh, what are they, with the, you know, the, the horoscope. horoscopes and uh, astrology and things like that, which I guess we're going to get kind of, we're going to talk some we're about gonna talk that. a little bit about that, but, we tend to think of like the horoscope and the newspaper and, and the right. astrological signs and, and things like that. So, And we want to kind of look at where Judaism kind of makes a break from all of that. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things to remember about the Zodiac is people didn't have wall calendars. They didn't have watches. Right. You didn't know how to judge times and seasons unless you were looking at the planets. And so that's all going to play in. But... Basically, what happened was, um, you know, after we kind of discounted this as anything really having to do with Judaism, Second Temple Lit, or anything like that, somebody went out to a cave and discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. 
So mm-hmm. this just totally set off an entirely new interest in the Zodiac. And so, well, and yeah. just, just to back up, so the, uh, I know we've mentioned it before, but uh, for, for anyone who hasn't been around mm-hmm. the whole series, um, you know, Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, I, I didn't realize... I didn't realize how unpopular they are uh, right. um, for a long time because uh, this was the stuff that, uh, you know, they, they were just kind of really big news in the, the 90s amongst mm-hmm. Christian nerds. And so uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls were, were discovered allegedly by a, a shepherd who mm-hmm. uh, knocked a rock into a cave entrance and heard a pot shatter and went in to investigate and they found these scrolls. And so during the, the time that before they were uh, translated thoroughly uh, mm-hmm. most of the scrolls i mean they're still finding all kinds of stuff all the time but uh, when they were first discovered before the bulk of them were translated oh man the the conspiracy theorists were were in full uh i don't know how, i mean they, they were out and they, they were saying you know oh this is amazing these are older scrolls than any biblical material we've ever mm-hmm. found and most of them were convinced they were going to find material that contradicted the, the biblical oh, material yeah. that we have and what they found is that um, most of the scrolls' older dates actually match um, most of the Masoretic text um, at, at what we have today. So I think that's really uh, pretty amazing, and I love that it was like, oh my goodness, we you know it was like this gotcha moment for the, <laughs> right. for the skeptics. Oh, and, they were going to disprove Christianity with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we find out, no, that's not what it does at all. Right. Yeah. And, and it, it wasn't all scriptures. I mean, there were scriptures, but then there were also like community rules for the people mm-hmm. in, the, in these various sects of, of Judaism. So um, if you want more on that, uh, check out Miriam Brand. We've mentioned her before. Her podcast goes into exactly. a lot of detail on what's contained in a lot of these, these scrolls. Her podcast name is Understanding <laughs> Sin and Evil. So you can find it under her name or... If you don't know how to spell Marianne Brand, understanding sin and evil, I think most people get that. Yeah. And now, and actually what you said, uh, I kind of have to do a little teaser, is going to come into play when we kick off our next book, First Samuel. Okay. Because the Dead Sea Scrolls come into major play with how we translate Samuel and the Septuagint, and there's just this whole saga of translation work that goes on there. So anyway, we'll get into that later. But yeah, the Dead Sea Scrolls, they translated them and they began to find different references to the Zodiac. And one of the um, documents called Q4, (coughs) Q cryptic. So K4 from Qumran cryptic because the way it's written describes a man's personality and characteristics based on his Zodiac sign. Interesting. Oh yeah. I had no idea that it was that involved. Oh, it gets way involved depending on how far you take it. Now, at first, this was kind of dismissed as a one-off, and everybody thought, oh, no big deal. It's not a, you know, yeah, the, there's a lot of writing in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Not everything was endorsed. That was preserved. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was there. But then they started finding similarities with the Community Rule Scroll. Okay. And that is a major work. So we began to think that maybe this isn't a one-off. Maybe there is something to it. And since these scrolls can be dated back to the first century, we know that this was something that was going on during the time that Jesus was alive. Right. And probably a lot earlier than that. So that called for a reexamination and a reinterpretation of some other finds that were going on. We have these Palestinian synagogues 
And so this is in the area, the same place where the Philistines were during Samson's time. Sure. And they had mosaic designs on their floor. Now... Like mosaic as in the art style and not as yeah. in Moses. Precisely. I guess we should clarify that. I mean, I guess there might have been some of Moses, <laughs> but who knows? Uh, you know, well, we have the Ark of the Covenant. We have the menorah. We have the binding of Isaac. We have depictions of the Ark De- of the Yes, <laughs> yes. And all of these very Jewish symbols that are in these synagogues, so we know that they're Jewish places of worship. However, a lot of them will have a zodiac. And in the middle of it, not only do you have the... the uh, there's two rings. Okay, let's just describe it. There's two rings, and inside those two rings are the signs, the 12 signs of the seasons or mm-hmm. the months. On each corner, the four corners, is a woman representing each season. Okay. And the center of it is what has been believed to be Helios, the Greek god of the sun. So, as you can imagine, this is like massively confusing for scholars. Right. Yeah. And, and, this would have been believed that this would have been this would have been due to uh, Israelites adopting uh, the the Greek practices brought right. over by the Philistines. Yeah, well, and the fact that they're using mosaics is saying that yeah, they're using Greek practices. Mosaic is a Greek style of art. Oh, sure, yeah. So I had, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's where you're having. I'm sorry, all... I forgot my art history for a minute. <laughs> so yeah, well, and that's the thing. You've got to bring all of the disciplines together to kind of get a bigger picture and. There, there is this idea that was originally the idea that was presented that basically the Jews were going, hey, we're going to adopt these symbols and these ideas from the Greeks and we're going to use them. And people just kind of blew it off. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's what we tend to do in Bible study when we get something that contradicts the Bible that makes us uncomfortable. We just blow it off and act like it doesn't exist. Right. But um, well, a lot of teachers do that. It always intrigued me. I was, I was always like, hmm, well, what are, what do we do with this information? And, well, and, and then it just rolls around in the back of my head, wakes me up in the middle of the night, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we aren't related at all. But yeah, the, the problem is, you know, not only do we have mosaics with the, these Greek symbols and possibly a Greek god, we also have this thing where Jews were supposed to not create images. Remember the, the second commandment, don't create graven images. Right. And now under the Talmud, actually mosaics were allowed, which I thought this was interesting. And the reason why mosaics were allowed was because they're on the floor. You aren't going to mistake that for an idol. So you aren't oh, that, accidentally going to bow down to it. That makes a whole lot of sense, actually. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, it's, this is the way their minds work. And I think this is the reason why I'm drawn to the way the rabbis argue through things. Mm-hmm. But there still is a problem because why is there a Greek god? <laughs> and so anyway, we're going to return back to that. So that's the teaser. But... Other sources that we actually knew were out there, and it kind of surprised me to find that we have these sources that nobody was really taking seriously. Um, we have First Enoch 8.3, and it says that astro- astro- astrology is evil, okay, and that it was taught by one of the fallen angels to humanity. So Enoch thoroughly renounces it. Right. The Sibylline Oracles praises the righteous man who refuses to look for signs in the heavens. And these were probably written about the same time Paul was writing Corinthians. Right. So, you know, goes way back there. Jubilees condemns astrology. Now, the idea is if you have to actively condemn something, then it needs to be present to be condemned. It had to pose some kind of threat or why in the world would you take the time to write some condemnation of it, some official rejection of it? Yeah, well, and that's actually, uh, it's, that's kind of funny. This actually kind of goes, we can apply this to our New Testament 
um, understanding, like with mm-hmm. Paul's letters, that's one of the things that I think is kind of interesting too. A lot of times when we read Paul, we, we forget that he didn't just wake up one day and go like, this church needs a letter. <laughs> right. Um, you know, th- there was actually, and I wish we had the letters to Paul. I, because I want to know what they had to say. Okay, so in our one of the next topics that we're going to be talking about, women in leadership, that would totally solve like 98% of the, the controversy. That would, that would solve so much. But yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm, but yeah, whenever we look at things, yeah, the Bible wasn't written in a vacuum. Second Temple literature, Enoch, Jubilees, all those things were not written in a vacuum. They were written uh, to, to try to explain how, how the world works. They were trying to explain how the scriptures were written, mm-hmm. how we should apply them to everyday life. Um, so yeah, that's... I've been listening. I've actually, I'm on like probably my fourth listen through of Miriam Brand's podcast. <laughs> I, I, since I've discovered, I've listened to it about twice a year. Um, so there's a lot of information she packs in. So, but he also, you know, th- this seems like it would be kind of cut and dry because you do have these condemnations of it, but it's really not because if you go back to First Enoch chapter 72, verses one through 37, not going to read it. So don't worry. But it adapts. <laughs> yes, it adapts the astro- astrological signs and ideas to dis- describe portals in heaven, these openings between heaven and earth. Okay. And it, it's an interesting chapter, and it, available online. I'll try to put a link Are up you sure for this anybody. Isn't the plot of Stargate. I, I, I'm sure, but okay. <laughs> you know, Stargate may have been building on something. So you see, probably drawing from something, right? More than building on it. <laughs> well, you know. I, Science fiction is the mythology of our day, so we can go off on that rabbit trail later. But uh, Eusebius, uh, he's a famous historian. He records a story in which Abraham teaches Pharaoh astrology. Mm -hmm. And in another account claims that Abraham taught astrology to the priest of Heliopolis. Well, if you remember, Heliopolis is the home of Joseph's wife, Mm -hmm. so Potiphar's daughter. Now, there's another work called the Treatise of Shem. And it constantly throughout the whole thing, it, it advocates the use of astrology, it says it's good, it's useful, and one sign does determine one's fate. Now, these are all Jewish writings. These are people who, who are very pro-Torah, very pro-Judaism. Very, mm-hmm. So it, we're starting to get into some muddy waters. Okay. So yeah. then we want to throw in the very questionable but often quoted Josephus. Mm-hmm. And he retells Genesis 12, but this is where God takes Abraham out and says, you know, look at the stars. And they have the covenant where God tells Abraham, your descendants will be as the stars. And he describes this as an astrological event. And he talks about how Abraham looked up at the stars and he realized that the stars declared he was never going to have a child. And God said, no, that, that's not the case. I can tr- created the stars. I'm the one who control the stars. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I'm going to move the stars to make them say whatever I want. And this is how he reframes the story in astrology. Okay. And he, he really uses it as a springboard to kind of explain why the Jews are more enlightened, advanced people than a lot of the Greeks saw them to be or the Romans saw them to be. Because Abraham was presented as an astrologer. He was a Chaldean, and by the time Josephus was writing, all the Chaldeans were known as astrologers. This was kind of uh, the byword for astrologers. Okay. So he also goes and he built on the idea that Eusebius had presented, that Abraham taught the Egyptian astrology. So 
Chaldeans, by the way, equals Babylonians. So the Babylonians, mm-hmm. the Chaldeans, the Egyptians, okay. they, they are the ones who know astrology. Now, this is the reason for this is, you know, if you're going to study the stars, you aren't and their patterns, you aren't going to do it overnight, literally. It, it's going well, to you're be gonna do it at uh, night, but not but overnight, not, but not just one night. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you've got to have these these cultures and civilizations that have the ability to keep long records so you can keep records over many decades and even centuries mm-hmm. and the only civilizations that did that were the babylonians and the egyptians well who do you entrust with this kind of knowledge you entrust your priest the ones who keep a temple that's cared for and protected mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so it makes sense that astrology is part of the religion because they were the only ones who could keep it up and so josephus says that you know abraham takes this babylonian chaldean um information, goes to the uh, Egyptians, teaches them, who in then ter- in turn teach the Greeks. And so the Greek culture is therefore a byproduct of Jewish culture. And since the Romans, who were the ones that Josephus was alive under their rule, had stolen all Greek culture, Roman culture was therefore a product of Judaism. Well, it's, you know, it's, a, it's if, if, it, if that, this is Josephus, you say? Yes. So, yeah, I mean... Take Josephus for what you will, but, right? <laughs> but the um, yeah. But if if they, if they were in fact taking from from Jewish culture, it's only the parts they like, right? And you know, so there's that. I mean, no one does that today, right? Absolutely. But yeah, that's that's <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get me um, get me sidetracked <laughs> because yeah. But he he really is. He's setting up this this paradigm where all good things come from Judaism. Right. That you don't have anything good apart from Judaism. And he's saying that not only is Juda- Judaism greater, but Abraham was so smart that by looking at the stars, he was the one who discovers, notice the quotation marks, discovers monotheism. And <laughs> so, therefore, he's greater than all the Greeks with all their gods and the ability, you know, the ability to discern that these many gods really don't have the power and control that the, um, that the Greeks had ascribed to them. And yeah, it, it, it's really interesting because basically he's saying the Greek myths are just kind of a shadow of the, the Bible facts. And which, I mean, we, we've seen some parallels and different stuff like that because I mean, you've mentioned them anyway. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that, that's going on during Josephus' time is astrology is being condemned because it's seen uh, as a politically unstabilizing force, and it's being used to to take different leaders out. I mean, there's, there's a whole big writing about it, which I'm not going to go into because you get into Roman history. And Josephus is saying, yes, it is good because we came up with it, but at the same time, he, he's drawing it back to where it is under God's control, and it's not about some kind of fate that is irrevocable. Yeah. So it, it becomes, yeah, really interesting because he, he does things like, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, at the same time, pseudo eupolemus. How's that for a name? Uh, he, he goes on, yeah, this is a Greek name, but he, he actually takes apart the Greek myths and he puts them together with biblical characters. So like Atlas from the Greek myths became Enoch. Okay. And he did some really interesting work there. And I imagine, yeah. Yeah. To get him out from under the globe? No. 
precisely. But the the thing is, whenever you're putting all this together, um, you you got to keep track of the fact that we're looking at cultures that are clashing. Mm-hmm. We have so many cultures and nations within uh, Rome, the empire, Roman Empire, that are coming together, trying to figure out how all these things work together. And you know, my my God is better than your God. My belief is better than your belief. And Josephus really is trying to find a way to make Jews acceptable to the Romans. Mm-hmm. And he really worked hard at that. So he really walks a fine line between praising astrology as a great achievement while portraying it as something very dangerous if misunderstood and misapplied. And because Josephus is a politician. You cannot sure. read his stuff without coming realizing that he's <laughs> he's a politician. So um, basically, by the time we get to the Second Temple, our approach to astrology within Judaism is very mixed. And you know, the question for why is that? It's because, well, and some people aren't going to like this answer. The Bible is very mixed, and. Let me, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I'm not just, dis, I'm not just dis, uh, discounting your. No, I saw the wheels like suddenly I'm fling just, into yeah, I'm motion. Like, I'm, just, I'm curious to see where where we go here. That's uh... okay. So if you flatly deny astrology, you're going to cite Deuteronomy four nineteen, Deuteronomy eighteen nine through twelve, Isaiah forty seven twelve through fifteen, Jeremiah eight two, and Jeremiah ten two, and these are talking about finding a sign, seeking mm-hmm. some kind of guidance. Uh, the problem is astrology is never specifically mentioned in any of those passages. So if you see these as a way to reject astrology, then you're saying that you see astrology being encompassed under these broader banners. Mm-hmm. Possibly. So the thing is, you can also come back with scriptures to endorse astrology. This would be Genesis 1.14 where God puts the stars and the sun and the moon in the sky for, to mark the seasons. Right. Uh, Amos 5.8, which I probably should have looked that up before. Um, Amos, that's one of the little ones. Yeah, that's one of those kind of hidden way in the back. Yeah. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, Amos. Oh. And I thought I knew my Bible. Well, I know it. It's just easy to pass over. <laughs> there it is. Amos what? 5.8. Amos 5, 8. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made the Pleiades and Orion, and he turns deep darkness into morning, and darkness the day, and darkens the day into night. Who calls, for the, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth? The Lord is his name. Okay, so that kind of gives you a little bit of a flavor. This is Job 38, 31 through 33. It says, Can you bind the chains of Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth or in the season, Maseroth is planets, or can you uh, guide the bear with its children, the bear? Ursa um, Major. There you go. And do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on earth? So we've got these references to the stars. And of course, you know, the wise men followed a star. Mm-hmm. And so basically we have Genesis 1.14, Amos 5.8, there's Psalms 19.1. Matthew 2, 1 through 2, Job 38, 31 through 33, which is what I just read, and of course, Judges 5, 20, where Deborah says the stars fought from their courses. Mm -hmm. So we have these 
what I call the simple text that okay. seem to endorse the idea of astrology. If you want to take it further, then you go into what I call the more complex text where we're looking at Jacob when he blesses his sons in Genesis 49. Okay. And each one of the sons is associated with some kind of symbol. And we've got the serpent, we've got the, the scorpion, we've got the wild ass, we've got all these different animals. And people are seeing these as being connected to the zodiac. Now, there's some debate on which symbol goes with which one, because like Dan would be the Scorpio, uh, scorpion or Scorpio. Mm. Um, but some of them don't always line up well. Gemini, the twins, would be Simon and Levy because they're talked about together. Okay. So then you only have 11 brothers. Well, then you've got to bring in Dina, who the daughter, so she's Virgo. And it, there's a lot of debate on how this works out. Okay. Yeah. That's. Yeah. <laughs> because it's at first, it's like, oh, that really works. And then whenever you look at it, it's like, does it work as well as they want it to? Right. Then also you have Joseph, uh, Genesis 37, Joseph's dream of the moon and the stars and the sun bowing mm -hmm. down to him. They say that's an astrological event. Um, the camp layout, whenever they're going through the desert, the um, Psalms 19.4 says that the tabernacle is the sun. Mm -hmm. And so then all the other uh, tribes are laid out around the tabernacle and they're saying it's in accordance to the signs of the zodiac. The question for me is, is there any real basis for this claim? Or is it just, we have 12 signs of the Zodiac, we have 12 tribes. It, it could be that simple. Sure. I, I don't want to read too much into that. But then you've got things like Revelation 12, which uh, anybody who's listened to Heiser's talk about the birthday of Jesus. Yeah, dating, yeah, Jesus' birth, yeah. Yeah, because it is all astrological language. We've got the woman, Virgo. She's clothed in the sun, which when just basically the sun is coming up in the middle of the Virgo constellation. Mm -hmm. The moon's under her feet. There's a crown of 12 stars. The red dragon, which may be Scorpio. And Paul quotes from Psalms 19, and he writes this in Roman 10, referring about uh, the, the elliptical courses of the um, planets in their orbits and how that works. And he talks about how that reveals the Gospels. So there's a difficulty in just dismissing this. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we can ask, is, it, is there anything to it? I, I think the, the question shouldn't be, is there truth behind the zodiac? I think the question should be, should we? Be engaging the zodiac. Well, and how? Mm -hmm. I mean, are we looking at it as the stars run our lives? Are we looking at it as we need to understand that we can use the, you know, like like Heiser using the astrological mm -hmm. um, or astronomical uh, software um, to actually, you can actually like. Go back to any check, date. Check any check the position of the stars and planets on any date with the software. It's pretty cool. Um, but of course, now it was really funny. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Heiser's podcast. I'm not, I don't want to just like, mm -hmm. I don't want to just rehearse his material because anyone can go listen to that. And I didn't, you know. Yeah. And by all means do. do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's great stuff. But I did actually, uh, I saw someone actually uh, mention, well, why would, why would, because, because, you know, we, we talk about this a lot. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm 
trying to make sure I've got all my ducks in a row in this thought. But, you know, we talk about this a lot, how the Bible was written to people who would understand it. Mm-hmm. It was really funny because I was in a, in a forum. Uh, it may have been the Naked Bible uh, group, but someone had mentioned, well, why would, why would the Bible be written in such a way that you could only figure out this date if you had this astronomical software? To be <laughs> right. able to, and I'm, like, I'm thinking, but the thing is, they were there. They, right. Like, <laughs> they could look out they, their window. They look out, yeah. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't, they needed that because you have these astrologers and early astronomers, I guess, to a degree. Well, it became who, astronomy. Who, who have been keeping records of when this, mm-hmm. when, you know, you, you could go to a lot of these guys and make, hey, when was the last time the sun rose uh, through Virgo uh, with the moon at, at her feet? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and you could go, oh, well, it, it was, he could go back through his record and say, oh, it was this day, this year, this month, and this day. Yeah. And so it was... The guys were pretty uh, well, astute. And, and keeping track of the planetary movements was important because this is how you determined what time of year it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this was your calendar. So it wasn't just that, you know, these great holy men of these various religions kept track. Even an average citizen would have some knowledge, some basic, maybe not, you know, in-depth and couldn't be as precise as maybe the astrologers were, but they had some idea. I mean. Orion, that's most prevalent. We see it here in the winter. Yeah. And so I, I know that because I watch the sky and just because it's really cool when you get to see a falling star. And anyway, but these are the things that were, were just part and parcel of being in that culture. And because of this, you, you really had this question of how far do you take it because it is useful and it is somewhat necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you know when to have Passover if you aren't watching the sky? Right. You know, but at the same time, how much credence do you give it? And that's the debate that the rabbis picked up in the Talmud. And they had this really lengthy discussion and they were discussing, does Israel have a mazel? Now, if you know the word mazel, you probably know it from mazel tov. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we say, oh, well, it means good luck. It means congratulations. I ask in the paddle store, you know, who people, you know, what people thought it meant. No one knew that it meant, you know, good planet, essentially. It was hmm. a fortunate planet. And the, the debate of the rabbis is, does Israel have a mazel? Is there a planet that Israel is subject to? And, you know, this was written shortly after, about 150 AD, shortly after the, the temple was destroyed. So this hmm. was right after Jesus was born, uh, or lived and died, actually. and. What they're trying to determine is what is the proper Jewish view. And now Jewish astrology is a little different. One of the forms, there's actually several different forms, and it became very involved when we started getting into Kabbalah. Right. Um, One of the forms is that a person born on a certain day of the week should reflect whatever was created that day of the week. So, um, you know, you have somebody with a bright and shining personality. They were created the day, you know, the day light was created. Mm -hmm. And this, this conversation between the rabbis, basically one said, hey, if you're born on Sunday, you're going to have this characteristic. And another rabbi would say, no, 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 I know Joe, and he was born that day of the week, and he's not that way at all. And another one would say, oh, well, if you're born on this you know, day of the week, Friday, then you're going to have this characteristic. He's like, oh, no, no, I, I know so-and-so. And, he, and, and it's back and forth. And they would 
go into the different accounts of the, the astrological events in the Bible that we've kind of already talked about. But then they would talk about stories where an astrologer came to a rabbi, uh, like one of the astrologers came to Rabbi Akiva, and he said, your daughter's going to die on her wedding day. And he decided not to say anything about it, just going about the business, get the wedding going. So they, she goes through the wedding. She finishes up all the ceremonial stuff, goes into her room. She takes her veil and she sticks it in the wall with a pen. Well, the next morning when she gets up and it's light and she can see, she realizes that this, the pen went through a snake's head. Now, Rabbi Akiva immediately begins to question her, what happened yesterday? What's going on? Because he realized that this was a snake that was supposed to kill her. And she began to talk about her day. And she mentions that there had been a man who was hungry and poor who had showed up at the wedding party and no one had paid any attention to this guy. And she had gotten, the bride had gotten him food. And this basically illustrates the idea that no matter what your planets say, if you're following Torah, if you're practicing kindness and good works and charity, then you're going to be protected against any evil fate. Okay. So because your fate could be subverted through keeping the Torah and through doing these good works, you don't have a mazel. No mazel, no planet rules over you. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. And just like Abraham was freed from the destiny of the stars and did become a father of many nations because he obeyed God. And right. the early church fathers kind of followed this idea uh, Tertullian, Jerome, uh, John Chrysostom, I always say that wrong, suggested that astrology was valid until the birth of Jesus. Uh, Origen, who at attacked astrology viciously in many of his writings, he acknowledges that the stars are signs, but they don't cause the events. And it makes a certain amount of sense considering how frequently the star language in the Bible refers to angels. Right. So in Judges 5, when Deborah says, you know, the stars fought, it's talking about angels there. In Deuteronomy 4, 9, chapter 4, verses 19 through 20, it specifically says that the sun, moon, and stars are allotted to other nations. Well, we know that other nations were allotted to other gods, lesser Elohim. Mm -hmm. Now, are we saying that these stars are actually lesser Elohim? No, we're, we're, we're saying they're representative mm -hmm. and they're kind of a sign. And Israel doesn't have a star. Right. It has a God. And Genesis 32, 8 and 9, which, you know, God says, I've kept Israel, you know, a lot of the nations according to the sons of God, and I've kept Israel as my inheritance. It reminds us that God has retained control. Where everybody else might have a star or a mazel, Israel doesn't. Right. So um, we've got lots of star language in the Bible, and we talked about that on one of the other episodes. Um, I believe it was with, with Deborah. Yeah. We'll have to get the um, link up for that. But uh, Nehemiah 9.6 talks about how other nations worship the host of heavens. Job 38.7, the morning stars sang together. Isaiah 14.12-3, Satan is described as a, as a star. And I think given the fact that these stars are, are equated with the angels, the real thing we need to be asking ourselves is are, when we look at astrology and try to use astrology to benefit us, are we actually saying these other gods have the control of our mm. lives? And is that why we aren't supposed to do it? Mm. And 
that's that's where I come down on it. Right. I, I don't want us to ever put anything in more control or have more power over our lives than God himself. And that's the reason why the rabbis argued and said, no, we don't have a planet that rules us. And I think as Christians, we can say we don't have a planet that rules us. So since this is the judges wrap up episode, we'll tie it back in with, with judges real quick. There's 12 judges, there's 12 constellations. I kind of think that's that 12 for 12 um, equation going on. And then also the explicit star language of Deborah kind of lends itself to be thinking about the whole book in this astrological uh, phrase. But then we've got synagogues in Palestine, and they date about to the 4th or 6th century CE mm-hmm. or AD. And uh, Hamoth, Tiberius by the Sea of Galilee has representations that were originally assumed to be Helios, the Greek god of the sun, in the center of the zodiac, like I was talking earlier. It was the first of six synagogues that featured Helios, either on his own or with chariots. In Galilee, we have two synagogues dating back to the second or third century, and the excavations on them began in 2011, so these are still pretty new finds. Yeah, Um, that's very new. Oh yeah, for for archaeology, it's amazing. And we have several, in those two um, synagogues specifically, we have several representations from Samson's life. He's engaged in battle. He's removing the gates of Gaza, the foxes in pairs with the torches, mm-hmm. uh, the, him fighting with the jawbone and the ass. And first of all, he, he wasn't recognized as Samson. They, they thought maybe this was David and Goliath. Right. Maybe it was King Og. Because Samson is represented as this giant. Mm-hmm. And also uh, included in there, I should point out, were representations of the Maccabees. And because this is when Jews are under the control of the Roman Empire and things are going wrong. And these hero stories are so important. So they do want to deliver. They want a judge, just like Samson was, who fought back the Philistines. They're in that same area. And it seems that they are really equating the Romans with the Philistines. and. Jacob, in his blessing to his son, said that a judge would come and he would be from the tribe of Dan. Well, Samson's from the tribe of Dan. And apocalyptic thought at this point is rampant, as demonstrated by the Dead Sea Scrolls. Sure, yeah. And we're seeing, again, that, that, that exposure to Greek art and thought and influence, and they're beginning to, to blend together, and they're beginning to put Jewish icons or, you know, heroes, where they're beginning to blend them with Greek heroes. So it makes sense that when we have these, these temples or these synagogues that have spanned this time frame, where you go from strict biblical representation of Samson without the Zodiac, mm-hmm. but then as you move forward and the, the, the cultures become more embedded in each other and more enmeshed, then you start to shorthand it. And you start to use symbols that that work for your time and your place. Yeah. So if you want to, you know, and Samson is the perfect fit for the sun god. His name means little sun. Right. So I think, and now this is just me, I think that what we're seeing with the um, progression from those second and third temple, uh, second and third century synagogues to the fourth and sixth, is where we're moving away from Samson as being a straight-up Jewish representation of an idea into 
the more um, synchronistic idea of the Greek symbols taking center stage in the, in the synagogues. Mm-hmm. So. No, no, I do, I am curious about that because I mean, I think that would be really interested to, to to find some more information on it. I'm sure we'll find more out as as right. the excavation and and study continues. But you know, when you're talking about using symbols that people understand, it it's like. The the church has had kind of a struggle with that for years. It's it's what what do you use? What do you change? I mean, you were talking. Um, I remember uh, we've talked a few times about the in the Bible when Jesus said he's the bread of life, and certain mm-hmm. cultures they they don't only rich people have bread, right? And so they would assume that well, only rich people have access to Jesus. Or um, was it George we were talking to that the the parable of the lost sheep became the, yes. the parable of the lost duckling? Yes. Um. In in one translation, just because they were trying to put something there that people understand, mm-hmm. and and it's so it's like, well, where where does that line end? Where does it? it that's where a, do we? That's a really good are, question. At what point are we are we dipping into dan- into the dangerous area? So that's um. No, I mean, it's, it's a good question. I think it's one that we need to ask ourselves. Uh, you know, we've been in churches uh, where people have taken a secular song and sang it during a Sunday morning worship service, mm-hmm. and people have freaked out. Yeah. And, you know, is that appropriate? And, you know, I, I often say, um, Pink's Please Don't Leave Me is one of my favorite worship songs. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, people don't understand that, but then people who who know my walk and my journey who kind of go, oh, well, you know, that kind of actually makes sense now that I know you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and in my mind, that has nothing to do with Pink, uh, you know, what she may or may not stand for as a person. She just created a song that that worked really well for my purposes. Sure. So that that's something I think we have to kind of wrestle with in our own life. And, but, you know, everything has got something attached to it. And this is something I I, I notice um, wind chimes. Our grandmother loved wind chimes mm-hmm. all over the place. They were originally to scare the evil spirits away. So do we hang wind chimes up as a way to, you know, remember our grandmother? Or are we hanging wind chimes up to scare evil spirits away? Wh- where do we draw that line? And, you know, I love the smell of burning sage. Do I believe that? smudging a home or location is effective and is it something i'm allowed to do right where where is that line and i think this is why we have to be in relationship with god and not necessarily trying to um not trying to to do things by a rule book because if we keep trying to oh, separate ourselves from anything that has any kind of evil connotation Pretty soon, we aren't going to have anything left. Right. And, you know, I, uh, I know for a fact that one of the, the hottest selling things in the occult realm is super large prints, Bible uh, copies of the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that it can lay on the floor and you can stand up and read it while you cast your spell. So does this mean we get rid of the Psalms? Right. So th- these are things that I think Israel was really uh, wrestling with early on. But we've got to this point where, as far as with astrology, but we got to this point where we just immediately said, no, there's, there's no basis to it. There's no reason for believing it. And they're having to work out where does this fit? And because they did need astrology, 
because astronomy wasn't around yet. They needed astrology just to do the fulfill the basic commandments of the Torah. Right. So as far as keeping um, feasts and festivals and stuff. So hmm. well, that's interesting. I mean, well, I mean, and the Bible starts out in Genesis saying that God put the stars to be a sign for the seasons, mm -hmm. and so. I, I, which I'm surprised that didn't come up sooner in the, in the I discussion. I did mention it. You missed it. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, that's Genesis 1.14. I had a work. Maybe it was during the work text. You, or did you, what, did you just list the reference in the... I, I yeah, I, I okay. said it. And then because that is just for anybody who doesn't uh, believe me, it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be the lights in the expanse of the heavens, give light upon earth. And it was so. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, this is how every culture at that point in time marked time. And, you know, think about it, because our grandmother planted by the almanac, too. And right. so if you know that at a certain time of year you plant squash, they're going to do better than at another time of year. Mm. So you you start to pay attention to that and you begin to to orient your your planting cycle, planting cycle around these certain phases of the moon and the these times when certain constellations are on the rise. Now, how easy is it to translate that into human behavior? Right. If the planets have that, I mean, that's what they're seeing it as. If the planets have that big of effect upon my plants and my garden, then surely they have to have some kind of effect on me. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And that's where we get into correlate, correlation and causation. causation. Right. <laughs> and, and the thing is, if you're just looking at a very basic uh, observation of cause and effect, well, you get it. I mean, it, it makes sense because we come to this with so much scientific knowledge that we don't even realize we've absorbed mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that they just did not have. I mean, if you're starting at square one, where do you begin? You, you begin by simple observation. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand that those, those big, bright, well, little tiny lights out in the night sky are great big balls of gas millions of miles away, then you, you start with the wrong premise. Right. And where the Bible, and not just the Bible, as we talked about in uh, earlier episodes, present angels and stars together, then... Not only are the stars having an impact, then it must be these gods. Right, right. And yeah, it's on a, on a side note, as we're talking about the stars and constellations and things like that, I do find it interesting. I, I read uh, an article that was, and I, I'll see, I'll have to see if I can find it. It's, it was a list of, a list of oddly specific things that humans do everywhere. Okay. And it looked at, it looked at just, random stuff i mean you know the kind of stuff i like to read and then but one of the things was it was like four at least four of the major constellations are called the same thing by almost every known culture that's interesting so regardless of their location on the planet well i mean but then we're going back to the babylon egyptian connection and I'm just I'm just guessing at that point uh, at that number. I, I I would have to look it up for the specific number. So. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it, it makes sense because I mean, all of these um, all these cultures. I mean, they're trading information back and forth at, at various times. Um, and so yeah, you're building on what everybody else is bringing to the table. And if most of it starts there in the Fertile Crescent in Mesopotamia or around that area, 
then it makes sense that you have a shared language. Now, where for me, where it gets interesting is when we start talking about China or South America. Exactly. Or, that's, and that's, they, they even went, yeah, they, they went into some of that where it was cultures that should never have had contact. Unless you leave, a, a, I believe, a biblical account where we're all children of Noah. And so if we're if we're all children of Noah, then, you know, then there was some kind of connection. Right. Um, and I don't think you can get away from truth. I, I think that Paul was 100 percent correct when in Romans he talks about natural revelation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how the, the earth does declare God's glory. And I think that you take Paul seriously on that. I do. And I honestly, okay, so rabbit trail. I think one of the other things wrong with humanity is that we spend all of our time in these little boxes with artificial light, artificial atmosphere. We are not exposing ourselves to to see God revealed in nature. Now, I'm not saying God's in a tree. God is in a tree, but God is not in a tree. Um, that He's near the tree, but he's not the tree. He's not the tree. Yeah, but we see you know, his need for symmetry. We see his precision. We see the need for balance and light and water. And we see how he creates. I'd say his preference. I don't think need. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, his preference. Yeah. Well, the the need for it in his creation. But I, I do think God is a God of balance. And I think God is a God of order. And, and these things come out and they're manifest in his creation. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to me that there is a system that displays these great truths about him. And I think he's highly creative that way. And I think he's creative in ways that would blow our mind if we would just stop and look. And I mean, we we grew up watching uh, Donald Duck and Mathematic Land. Yeah. And the golden rule and the golden rectangle and not Go- golden, golden rule. Golden yeah. ratio. <laughs> golden ratio. Golden ratio, the, go- the golden <laughs> rectangle, golden spiral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, yeah, that that stuff is mind blowing. Whenever you see how often it occurs in nature, and that yeah, it's and what's wild. what's crazy to me as an artist is whenever I attempt to paint something, if I break rules of composition and balance, most of the time it looks like a mess. But God does it all the time, and it still works. And it's just, I think having that eye for what He's revealing within creation is what makes. I don't know. To me, that's, I don't want to say it's as profound as what I find in the Bible, but there's something that very much complements what I find in the Bible. Sure. And I think we've lost sight of that. And, you know, I think people who pray are people who are in touch with, with just God's creation. I mean, look at farmers. You, you never met anyone who prayed as hard as a farmer with a hailstorm on the horizon. Right. And, it's natural. It's not something you have to be taught. It just springs from within you. Right. And so these these ancient cultures, that's what they were doing. They were at the mercy of the elements. They were at the mercy of the gods. Now, which God was it? And was it a God who would move on your behalf? Or was it a God who had set a fate and determined it and you could not escape it? Was he an intimate God or was he a God who was, you know, wound up the universe and walked away? Right. Right. And that's the thing about Israel not having a mazel, about us not having a mazel. We have a God who responds, who just like, you know, if the story of Abraham was true, uh, I I don't think it literally is, but they think there's a lesson there. Just like Abraham saying, I can't have kids because the stars say I can't. But God saying, does it matter what the stars said? 
And matter of fact, as we go through, I've got some other stuff we're going to be talking about that basically over and over again, what I'm finding in scripture is God saying, it doesn't matter where you were born, who your parents are, what your nationality is, you know, none of this matters. You just got to keep looking for me. Right. And I think ultimately that's where the story of the wise men come in. They, they were the wrong religion. They were the wrong race, but they were looking for the king. And that's the reason why they found him. So I think if we just keep looking, eventually we're going to find him. Well, you, you know, and I, I think now this is something going to this when you were talking about that. I don't think it's necessarily okay. I don't think we have to even start our journey looking for him specifically. Right. I think what we you mean you don't have to have the right label. Well, okay. So I'm, I might get kind of controversial. I think I think we start <laughs> our journey looking at there's something wrong okay either with the world or with us okay usually with us i mean if you look at uh what's what i can never remember this this guy's name the general who went to the prophet who bathed in the jordan uh naaman naaman i i I don't know why i can never remember his name (laughs) uh but naaman i mean he he said i'm you know i'm gonna Mm -hmm. lose everything right and he asked around for who's the person who can fix this. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be one of the prophets of Yahweh. Right. And again, wrong religion, uh, wrong, wrong nationality, wrong nationality. Um, and he's he, unclean he on went, top of it. <laughs> yeah. And he's, yeah, exactly. And so that's actually kind of the, what I thought of whenever you mentioned that, that it was, you know, we, we can start our journey just looking to be healed, but we, but we have to we have to start actually looking. You know, what does it take to get us to move? I think that's a big question that all of us need to be looking at. And sometimes it, it is pain. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you know, for some of us, it, it's legitimate, like real tangible pain. Uh, and for others, it's kind of I'm not saying esoteric pain or is is or existential pain is less. <laughs> right. Um, it, it's it, it's probably even more so. but. W- most of us don't move and we don't act until we're kind of forced into that corner. And I, I know that's true for me. And so, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I, I'm with you as far as you don't have to be looking for God specifically, but you need to be looking for a solution for something. Mm-hmm. And where, where's that solution lie? And I think if we're being honest, eventually we're going to get to the point where we recognize only the creator can address the needs of the creation. Mm-hmm. And that's, and to me, that's, that's the coolest part about Christianity. We, we get to have a relationship with the creator and no other religion offers that. Yep. Every other religion gives you, you know, good ideas, great ways to treat each other, rules of behavior, but none of the rest of them say you actually get to know the God who cared enough to make you. Yeah. Well, it's like the interview with, the interview with George where he says, you know, all, all the other religions are, are do better, try better, mm. uh, do the rituals and then... If the gods are having a good day, day when you die, yes. uh, then then you might get to make it into Nirvana or wherever. Right. Yeah. And if you haven't listened to the episode with George, be sure and catch that because that was so much fun. Yeah, it was a good episode. And so anyway, do we have anything uh, we can throw in real quick or are we going to no, just kind of have a short one I this week? I think we're going to have a short one this week because everything you gave me to research I just like fell off the deep end on. I didn't didn't, like assign her (laughs) things to research. It's just things that we mentioned along the way that we thought might be cool to address. 
it's not like I'm a, some kind of taskmaster. Yes, but, he is. No, I, <laughs> but the, I just I've, I've been keeping notes, and I just sent you my notes. That's all that happened. Yeah, no, so, I, um, they, that's the thing with me. You know, I I got into the zodiac stuff, and I had to actually stop and go. Okay, I'm not going that far because I did not even crack the Zohar. So you need to be thankful I didn't go there, uh, which is no. well. I mean, what? I mean, what's wrong with with going there? I mean. We, We've got time. I mean, there's not. <laughs> right. But um, no. And and just to be clear, we're not saying, you know, this is still a question that we're, we're asking. This is about where where does this fit? Mm-hmm. We're not saying go out and, and play in your day by the horoscope. No, um, that's a terrible idea. Um, you know, plant your crops by the position of the of the Pisces. constellations. That's fine. You know, but other than that, you know, which. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that. No, <laughs> well, I mean, okay, no, I, I think it comes down to where's your allegiance? And are you going to say your fate and destiny are determined by your cooperation with God in creating it, or that there's another God represented by these stars that is going to have more control? And right. I never want to put another God in control of my life. Right. Because they don't care about me. I mean, that, that's just that simple. They don't care about me and they don't care about the things I care about or the people I care about where our God does. And mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter what star you're born under, what day of the week you're born under. It, it does not matter. What matters is, are you willing to participate with God as he's bringing about his plan and the, the future that he has created for this world? And are we stepping into it together with him? And sure. so that's, I think that's where we need to be because God doesn't care what the other gods say about his children. Cool. So. I think that's, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, so everyone, thanks for joining us. Uh, next week, we're going to grab something else out of the pile here in no particular order <laughs> and see where that takes us. Uh, hopefully found this interesting and informative. Um, I, I'm still trying to figure out what I think of all of it. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll let you know in a future episode, but until then, uh, if you want to be part of the conversation, if you have an opinion, ravencreeksc.com gets you to basically everything we have uh hit us up on social media at ravencreeksc and we'll be glad to hear from you um if you do like what you heard and want to uh you know uh, help keep things running uh feel free to hit up uh patreon at ravencreeksc also you know just ravencreeksc if you just put that into any website just see what comes up um, right. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm kidding so far we're good i checked it so yeah Anyway, um, yes, but yeah, hit us up, uh, be part of the conversation, uh, feel like contributing, cool. If not, please share. And in the meantime, uh, just keep on thinking the weird thoughts that bring you back here. So <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash ravencreeksc. As always, thank you for listening and don't forget to join us next week.